Good morning, everybody, and welcome again to St Mark's this morning. My name's Andrew Bowles. I'm the senior minister here. It's great to be with you on this day. Hello there. Yes. It's always great when people want to come right up the front and hear what you have to say. It's very exciting. So we're going to think about that passage that Melissa's just read to us. Um, so I've been talking to a few people this week, and sort of as in, throughout the conversations I've been having this week, we've been acknowledging that really the year... It, it's just starting now, isn't it? Um, we've had a whole month, January, but it's really, I find January is a kind of a dream month, you know. It's full of holidays and plans and parties and everyone's kind of drifting around, just enjoying themselves, doing things. The year hasn't really started, but we've hit February now. Uh, the waking year kicks in. We've woken up, like Jerome, to what's real and what's happening. Uh, and we start to see now are we actually going to really keep and carry out all these plans and resolutions that we made in the last month or so about what this year is going to hold? And so we acknowledge that here, as uh, Holly said, that the first Sunday in February is essentially the launch Sunday of the year. The active life of our church begins for another year. And so in keeping with that, I'd like to start this term by talking together again with you about why do we exist as a church and where we're going together this year and in the future. Uh, it might be particularly helpful for you if you're newer to St Mark's, if you've never been here before, uh, or if you haven't heard about what we're doing, or, and just as a reminder to our long-term members about the vision that's behind all the various things that we do as a community together. So a couple of years ago, we worked on this question of our uh, common vision, and we came up with this tagline, the vision for St Mark's, that we're going to be called, uh, or we're hoping to become a community of transformation. And now, a community of transformation, this is one of these slogans, it sounds kind of meaningful, but then you think, well, what's the detail behind that? What are we actually talking about? And, you know, that's what vision statements are often like, aren't they? And you'll, in the, if you're in the government sector or the corporate sector, you know that we often have vision statements that maybe don't sound like, they mean a lot when you get into them. Um, so it's worth remembering for us today, what's behind the idea we're saying as a community of transformation? And so the way we went about developing this idea, as some of you might remember, is first by asking ourselves as a church this question, which is, what is the church? So what is the church actually? So what does the Bible actually teach us about this organisation, institution, or this, this community that we're part of here? And so what is the church? And today I want to use the words of Joel that we've just heard as a way of um, making an answer to that question more clear to us today. What does it mean for us to be the church as a community here? I'm not going to go into detail today about things we're going to do this year, strategies and all the rest of that. What I actually want us to do more today is really probe into the reality that's behind the church. Um, why are we here? What's our, what does our presence here today mean? What are, all the, what are all the things we do? How are they actually driven and what's underneath them? So the question is, what is the church? And I think to understand this, we need to get to grips with another biblical idea, which you've heard a bit about this morning already, which is the idea of the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is an idea that comes up particularly often in the Gospels and in the teaching of Jesus. And I believe that if we understand this phrase, the kingdom of God, it's a sort of a key for us to unlock the meaning of the New Testament as a whole and the teachings that Jesus brought. Um, as we read at the beginning of our service uh, from Jerome and Holly and um, then Asher read to us, it's, the kingdom of God is like a key that unlock... Oh, sorry, I actually just said that already, didn't I? Um, sorry. The year has started, I'm not quite awake yet. But um, when Jesus came, he actually spoke a lot about the kingdom of God and what it meant for him and the people listening to him. And he said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And so, again, what's the kingdom of God? What was Jesus talking about? Well, I think at the most basic level, what Jesus means when he talks about the kingdom of God 
um, is he is actually talking about the presence of God in the world, particularly where the presence of God can be seen, where it can be heard, and where it can be experienced in some way. This is what the kingdom of God, I think, is. So the kingdom of God is not, it's not a nation, it's not an empire, it's not a government, it's nothing political. The kingdom of God is actually anything that comes about from the presence of God that manifests itself in the world around us. And so for Jesus, this kingdom of God is a reality that can be seen in our midst when the world in some way acknowledges or shows that God is the king. So the kingdom of God might be seen when we experience things like healing, justice being done, peace and reconciliation among people and nations, um, and when people change their hearts and return to God. That is the kingdom of God at work. And because when all of those things are happening, it's an evidence that God is actually king over the world. He's ruling it and is his power. And so Jesus said that he personally came to bring this kingdom of God into the world in a deeper way, a new way, and a personal way, God himself coming into our world. And at his very first public sermon, Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah about this prophecy of what the kingdom would be like and what Jesus would do. You can read about that in Luke chapter 4. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is like his agenda for his ministry. And so to cut a long story short, I think the kingdom of God, as Jesus taught it, there's many facets to it, but it really is the presence of God in the world to transform it into the way that God intends it to be. So as we heard though, Jesus taught, this is not something that we see directly. The kingdom of God is not something that is necessarily visible to our eyes, but we see the effects of it. We see the effects of God's presence in the, in the world. So if you imagine the world being covered by this invisible energy field, you know, it's spread over the entire world. It's God's love, God's power, secretly but powerfully bringing things um, into the way they should be. And that's the kingdom of God, I think. So if we understand that, we can ask then, what is the church? If the kingdom of God is this reality? Well, I believe, because I believe the church is related to this kingdom of God. And that Jesus actually intended that the followers that he left would act in the world as a visible and clear expression of God's kingdom in the world. So we said the kingdom of God is at work everywhere all the time. God is doing things all around the place. But there are meant to be places, communities, where the kingdom of God actually breaks through and becomes manifestly real in the world as a sign of God's presence and what he's going to do. And Jesus himself, of course, he was God incarnate. He was the most powerful of those signs. The kingdom of God is here. And so what we see is through his spirit, Jesus actually gathers together people and calling them to enter into together and participate in the kingdom of God, to be transformed by God and to create together with him a community that reflects the reality of God's kingdom that it's here in the world. Um, and out of that community then is supposed to flow more and more experiences of God's kingdom for those around. And so I think that is actually what the church is. That's what we're supposed to be. Um, and that's why we've said uh, as a church that our mission is to be an authentic expression of God's transforming presence in Emerald and the Hills. So it's about the kingdom of God. What we're saying is we believe, that we believe in this reality. The kingdom of God is here and we want to be part of it and we want to show its reality in our community. Um, and that's the mission that Jesus gave his followers and which we're following today. 
And I think that's the vision of the church in the New Testament and what we're called to be. And so it's a great vision. Um, But one of the problems, though, and I think where we grapple with, is that the actual experience that we have in the world um, and the church. Um, Because the question is, does our experience that we have of the world and the church match this vision of the kingdom of God? Is the kingdom of God actually a real thing? Um, And does the church, as it currently operates, does it actually express the reality of this kingdom if the kingdom is in fact real? You know, perhaps when we look around us, you know, we look at the world, you know, do we see a world that's covered with the spirit of God's love, being transformed by him, being healed? Um, You know, if we look around, sometimes the world often seems to be a place which is covered with another spirit, a spirit of fear, a spirit of pain, with much destruction. And perhaps it might appear to us to be getting worse rather than being transformed by God. Uh, And perhaps if we look around the church as a whole, perhaps we don't see always a pure expression of God's spirit transforming people. Um, The church might appear to be irrelevant to what God's doing in the world or what he says he's going to do. Um, And often perhaps unhelpful in spreading God's presence um, and his ways in people's lives. So the question is, where's the kingdom of God in all this when we don't see it? And I think this is where we come to the book of Joel, which we read from today. Now... Joel is one of the books of the prophets in the Old Testament, if you haven't read it before. Um, When this book was written, or really why, or who Joel was, is not particularly clear, but it's very similar to a lot of the other uh, other Old Testament prophets. Um, And what Joel really does is he addresses this gap that I've been talking about, the gap between the ideal of what God's people are supposed to be and their experience of God's presence and blessing in their lives, um, and the reality that they might be in at the time that they find themselves in. So Joel particularly talks about how the people of Judah, the people of Israel, can deal with the reality of devastation in their lives and setbacks and disappointments in their community um, while still hoping that God is present and his goodness will come. So according to what we read through Joel as you go through it, we think Joel is probably writing in the aftermath of a locust plague that had swept across their nation and caused huge loss and devastation of their crops. So you can imagine for an agricultural community like Judah, people lived on the edge most of the time, they didn't have a lot of reserves. Uh, For that to have happened would have been a great disaster for them. So their food supply for that year and in the years to come would have been basically wiped out by this uh, event. And so Joel begins his book with a lament for this disaster, this plague, um, and he expresses the grief that people feel when they look around at their nation, the sense of hopelessness in the face of this loss. And I think this is something that many Australians actually know at the moment, this particular feeling to look around. Because um, Joel at one point speaks of this locust plague as though it were a fire that had swept across their nation and devastated it and destroyed everything. I want to read to you from Joel chapter 1 verse 19 to 20. So Joel says, To you, Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness and flames have burned up all the trees of the field. Even the wild animals pant for you. The streams of water have dried up and fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. So Joel laments for this kind of loss and devastation, as we do today. Uh, But Joel also sees something deeper in this disaster as well, a spiritual dimension. And with his prophetic kind of vision of what's going on, he sees this locust plague as almost like an army that's uh, come from the God's hand to bring a crisis for their nation, to remind them that there's a day of the Lord coming when they need to repent and change their ways. And there is something in them to seek God in this. But he, so he dwells on that for a while, but then he turns back to the positive direction to say, what's God going to do for us in this time? 
And out of that vision, he, has, he flows the rest of this book, as we've read, which moves into describing this promise of restoration that God will bring when the day of the Lord really comes and his presence is with them and he blesses them again as he has in the past. And that's where we find our reading for this morning from Joel 2. So as we read, and as you might have listened to it, this is really a word of comfort. Um, Joel looks forward and has a vision. What does it mean for the presence of God to restore things? So he says, when God comes and restores our nation, it will be things like greenness returning. Life's going to come back to our pastures. Grass is going to grow again. Trees are going to grow new fruit. Um, And rain will come. He says, it's going to be like abundant showers of rain and there'll be this overflowing of food and good things. So he says, as we read, be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both spring and both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. And I loved reading that this week. You know, in the midst of this hideous Australian summer that we're in, that sounds just wonderful to me. Abundant showers come, overflowing, you know. And I particularly enjoy the promise that the things that are going to come after the blessing of God returns are going to be so wonderful, it'll be like this disaster, this locust plague had never actually happened. So I particularly love the phrase in verse 25, the Lord says to them, I will repay you for the years that the locust has eaten. I will repay you for the years that the locust has eaten. You know, if you've been through a difficult time when it's a long time, things of setbacks and loss and grief, it is very sweet, I think, to hear this promise from the Lord that the things that we have lost, we will be repaid for them and it won't be a total loss, it will come back. And God will bless us again. And I've thought of that a number of times over the years, and it's a great comfort. Um, So Joel sees there's going to be this physical transformation of their circumstances that's going to come. They're going to move from deprivation, the locusts, to abundance, overflowing. Um, But beyond that, he says, and more wonderful to him, though, he sees something further. It's a promise that is going to come of a spiritual transformation and a fullness that God wants to bring to these people. So in time, he says, the people of God are going to be as spiritually abundant as their land will be fruitful. So this is where he says, and afterward, the Lord says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So notice what he talks about here. He talks about the work of the spirit. He says, prophecies are going to come, dreams and visions. The Spirit is going to stir things up in people for change and for growth. He's going to give them a new sense. Um, And he sees that all kinds of people, regardless of their age or their gender, are going to hear, they're going to see things from God, visions of his reality and his power at work, visions of the future and dreams about God's love and what he's going to do in their midst. And so Joel is a big, big book because out of this small temporary disaster, you know, a locust plague and its recovery season, Joel sees a vision of something far greater. You know, there's going to be a universal transformation, he says, of the world from its state of need and loss into something new. And I believe this is a vision that Joel had of the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is about. Uh, And it's a vision that didn't go away over time. Um, And in fact, the disciples of Jesus, we know, remembered this prophecy of Joel uh, on the day of Pentecost when they received the Holy Spirit after Jesus had returned to heaven. 
Um, and if you know the story, you remember that these disciples of Jesus, of course, when the Spirit came on them, they found themselves speaking in unknown languages and they had the power and joy. The wind of the Spirit came into them and they spoke new things. And Peter told the crowd in Jerusalem what was happening. And this is what Peter said to them. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days, and they will prophesy. This is from Acts chapter 2. So it sounds familiar, of course, because Peter is quoting Joel to say this is happening. And what he's saying is that now is the time to celebrate. The kingdom of God is actually in your midst, as Joel said it would be all that time And people were experiencing on that day of Pentecost the ability to prophesy, to speak God's words and to hear and see the visions of God's kingdom in a new way. And that was what Jesus had brought to them, this vision of Joel coming to be real. And, you know, many people call the day of Pentecost the birthday of the church. Because it was at that time, you know, when this community of disciples that were following Jesus and he left behind, um, this is when they became among themselves this expression of the kingdom of God. His God's presence in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth, and they started that mission. And so today, when we talk about some marks, we say we want to be a community of transformation. This is what we're actually talking about. The church is supposed to be, in God's plan, a place where people receive from God an outpouring of the Spirit. There's an abundance in their lives and visions and dreams of the kingdom of God at work so that then those things start to manifest themselves really amongst us and around us. And so in that way, the kingdom of God, which hasn't been seen, it's invisible or it's at work in other ways, is to be seen in our community and in our lives. And as Joel says then, and Peter reminds us, in this work of the kingdom of God, there's a place for everyone, isn't there? Uh, Young people, older people, men and women. Everyone has the calling from God to be part of his kingdom and what he's doing and to be recipients of the Holy Spirit's power in their lives. Um, And so we say, what is it to be a church? Well, to be a church and to be part of the church, it's a spiritual reality and also a practical one. So the kingdom of God is a spiritual thing, the presence of God, his heart for the world, his heart of healing and justice and compassion and what Jesus came to tell us. Um, But that's something that can be hard to see with our eyes. You know, often we only look around and we see the devastation of the world, we see the locusts, the struggles and our own difficulties. Um, But the community of the church is supposed to have this insight that the reality of the kingdom of God is here and to have a desire for the kingdom of God to be present in practical ways and to change the world around us. So what I want to encourage us all to do as we enter this year together is to take this vision seriously together. Um, And to do so, I think, is we need to listen. We need to be open to the Holy Spirit and the visions and the dreams that he gives to his people. Visions of the kingdom of God. And, you know, those visions are not just given to special people. They're not just given to leaders of the church. They're given to every single one of us. We all have a calling in the kingdom of God and something to do in his plan. Um, And, you know, the things that God speaks for us to do may not be large things or things we think are important or significant or world-changing because God doesn't really seem to be particularly worried about the size or significance of the things that he calls us to do in the kingdom. He takes responsibility for the outcome. He just says, you respond by faith and you do what I've asked Jesus had a beautiful parable about the kingdom of God. If we read in um, Matthew chapter 13, he said, The kingdom of heaven, which is the kingdom of God, is like a mustard seed, 
which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. As Paul Kelly said a bit shorter, you know, from little things, big things grow. That's what he's saying. Um, And so these little seeds of the kingdom of God, Jesus says, they're in your midst now, and God plans to grow things from them into big things. So as we listen to God, what we're waiting for is what is is God actually wanting us to do and what seed is he wanting us to plant? Um, And that can be a direct word. Sometimes people hear very clearly what God is giving them to do, a particular word. But more often it's a sense that we develop over time um, in in our lives and in our circumstances. And so it may be that there are things we're naturally passionate about and we say, well, God's drawing me towards this kind of service or this kind of helping of others or work of the kingdom. Or it may be that there's small kind of feelings you have or nudges that um, something needs to be done around you. And it's you, God says, that has a, has a calling to be part of that. Um, or maybe that opportunities come our way to be part of something that God is doing around us that we can see. Um, and, or it may be become, that we become aware there are things in the world around us that are devastated, that have, there are locusts you know, stripping things bare and that need to be renewed and transformed. And maybe God says, well, let's... I want you there. You're part of that. And so the challenge is to pay attention to those visions, those dreams, um, God's words to us, because it's easy to ignore them, I find, in the midst of our busy lives. We're distracted, and God speaks quietly very often. But the kingdom of God is in our midst, as Jesus said, and we do need to pay attention to it and what our part is in it. So I would say if you do hear, if you do receive what you think are a dream or a vision from God, It's time to think, how can that be brought to practical reality in the world? What am I actually called to do with this? Um, What is the seed that God wants to plant and how how am I part of that? Uh, And what is needed for that seed to grow and to build into a tree that birds can come and perch in? Um, And is this something that we are called to do together? Should you bring it to the church and say, we need to do something together as a community about it? So I want to issue today on Launch Sunday an invitation to you Um, And in the months to come, we're going to take intentional time to do this together as a community, um, to share with one another and with the rest of the community of the church the dreams and the vision that God's put on your heart and the visions of his kingdom that we see in our midst. Um, Because the reality of the kingdom of God is so vast, it's so powerful, and there are so many things to see God do, and this year and the coming years more than could be contained in any strategic plan that we could ever come up with. And so I want us to listen to him and to ask him to give us these visions and these dreams and be amazed what comes. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 to 10, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. So I just want to pray that we'd open our hearts to listen to him today. Let me pray for us now. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've opened up to us the reality of the kingdom of God in our midst. And we pray that this transforming power would be manifest among us in our personal lives as we are transformed by you and in our community as we're changed together. We pray that you would give us the visions, the dreams and thoughts that lead towards your kingdom seeds being planted. And we pray that you would uh, allow us to listen, that we would be open and attentive to you today.
I pray that in the years to come things would grow out of the kingdom seeds that you have planted in our hearts today. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.